podcast aims to bring the sermon from our Sunday morning service to you each and every week. We're currently in our sermon series, Next. The best is yet to come. For the past 20 years of Rolling Hills, we have seen God do more than we could ever imagine. Countless lives have been impacted for eternity. Many have professed their faith through baptism. Adults and children have grown in their faith through discipleship. Campuses have been launched in communities all throughout Middle Tennessee. And the vulnerable and the least have been served throughout the world. God has shown up time and time again, and now we faithfully look ahead to what is next for His church, knowing that it's not about us and our future, but about God and His perfect plan. Our prayer is that this will be a season that we look back on and see as one where God grew and stretched His people in ways He never has before. We're believing we will see restored relationships, miracles happen right before our eyes, radical salvations, and prodigals returning home. We believe for all of this and more. In this series, we're walking through the book of Nehemiah and how God's call on His people in that day is one He still has for us in 2023. May He find us faithful as we step forward, trusting that the best truly is yet to come. So listen in as we jump into what the Lord has for us today. For the past 20 years, we've had a front row seat to God doing more than we could ever imagine. Lives impacted for all eternity. Public professions of faith through baptism. Kids and adults discipled in the ways of Jesus. Campuses expanded to reach the multitudes, serving the least, the last, and the lost. And now our sights are set on something bigger and bolder, something immeasurably more. Let us join God in what He is doing next. Oh, well, good morning. Good morning, Rolling Hills Church family. It's so great to be together today. Big welcome, everybody here at our Franklin campus. Big welcome to our line campus as well. And we've come to worship our great God. And welcome back to our series. We've been in this incredible series called Next. And I love it. We're challenging one another to take a, a next step in our spiritual journey, right? And just watching life change happen as we follow Jesus, as we grow deeper in our faith and stronger in his word. And man, I just love seeing what God's doing. Now, last week, a lady came up and she goes, oh man, I just love this church. And I love that we went from Romans to our God is able and now into next. She goes, it's like, I just get so excited every week. And I go, I do too. You know, I just love it. And seeing people being baptized and lives being changed and just watching God work, watching God work. You know, we're seeing God do miracles. I mean, literally, we've been praying for a guy in our church for over a year. He was in an accident last Thanksgiving, and last Sunday he walked in here, and I was just like, praise the Lord. You know, I mean, just God is at work, and God is doing big things in all of our lives, and we just hold on to him and trust him. But it's not just our lives, right? It's lives of our kids. I love this picture that a, a parent posted of their child, right, in kids ministry. And, and, and they had like three of the bracelets or the wristbands on for next. And I just thought, how fun is that? You know, they posted this pic and this is 
so happy and so excited, Ephesians 3, 20 to 21, and, and to watch that or to see the Lego wall and seeing parents with their kids putting Legos in and just saying, hey, you're a part of this, right? God's working in your life, and I want you to have a spiritual foundation. I want you to grow up in the Lord. And so seeing that next generation being raised up, guys, we get to be a part of something really incredible, really special in our day and our time. And I love being on this journey with you. In this series, we've been walking with this guy in the Old Testament named Nehemiah. And Nehemiah, man, he could have kicked it back. He was living in luxury. He was in the palace there in Persia. And I mean, he was, you know, prime minister. And he could have said, hey, I'm, I'm done. I'm just going to live in luxury and that's it. But he said, no, God's called me to something. And I'm going to step out. I'm going to take a next step in my spiritual journey. And I'm going to watch God do what only God can do. And so let's go back to his story, Nehemiah chapter 6. I don't want you to miss this today. I'm so glad you're here. So if you have a Bible, there's some Bibles. If you need one, there's some Bibles in the back. You can grab one. If you're online, you can go to the Church Center app and pull up the scripture there. But I want you to say this, Nehemiah, back in the Old Testament. So you got Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Job, that whole section right there. And just a quick recap, Nehemiah, he was, he was the cupbearer of the king, which literally meant he was the prime minister. So we know from antiquities that he had to be handsome. We know that he would know multiple languages. We know he was highly successful. He was the head of the bodyguard, so he's probably in great shape. I mean, he's got it going on, right? And his brother comes back from Jerusalem, 800 miles away, and says, hey, Jerusalem's in ruins. What? Yeah, I mean, nobody's done anything there, right? You know, we had the first people go back, and they started working on the temple, and then everybody got distracted, and nobody's done anything. It's just, it's in ruins. The walls are broken down. It's not even a city. It's an outpost. And he's like, that's the city of God, right? That's where the temple, that's where God's presence dwells, and God broke his heart. And so Nehemiah says, let's do something. And he goes back 800 miles, and he rallies the people. He says, hey, let's all come together to do something great for God. And they all jumped in. I mean, we saw that, right? The whole community in Nehemiah 3, they come in, the goldsmiths and the perfume makers and the dads with their daughters. I mean, they were just out there working and working on this wall. And then we saw opposition came and they had enemies. They were trying to stop the work, right? But they overcame that opposition and kept working. They took care of the poor, like we saw last week, people in need. And then we come to today, Nehemiah chapter six, this huge project. It says, when word came to Samballot, now remember Samballot, was the head of the Samaritans. And the Samaritans are north of the Jews. The Samaritans hated the Jews, so they're north there. And, and there was a lot of pressure there. And, and so the word came to Samballot, Tobiah, that came from them, in Geshem, the Arab. The Arab, okay? So we even see today, right? 2,500 years later, the Jews and the Arabs, there's this conflict, and that was happening back then. And the rest of our enemies, that I had rebuilt the wall and not a gap was left in it. Though up until that time, I had not set the doors in the gates. Samballot and Geshem sent me this message. Come, let us meet together in one of the villages on the plain of Ono. So remember, we have all these enemies that are trying to keep them from accomplishing God's work. Just like we have an enemy, right? The devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. They, they had enemies trying to stop the word of God back then. And they were like, hey, come, let's talk about this. Let's meet. He says, but they were scheming to harm me. <laughs> The Holy Spirit, right, gave him discernment, going, oh, I'm not going to go there. They're scheming to harm me. So I sent messengers to them with this reply. I am carrying on a great project and cannot go down. Now, I don't know if you underline your Bible, but if you do, that's a great line to underline right there. I mean, it's 
powerful. I'm carrying on a great project and cannot go down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and go down to you? I mean, really, this is more important. Four times they sent me the same message, and each time I gave them the same answer. Then the fifth time, Samballot sent his aide to me with the same message, and in his hand was an unsealed letter in which was written. So he comes with the next message, and then he goes, oh, by the way, I got this letter. This letter that we wrote, right? Oh, it's unsealed. Oh, you want to read this? Here's the letter. It is reported among the nations, and Geshem says it's true. Like, okay, well, I guess it's true if Geshem says it's true, right? <laughs> and Geshem says it's true that you and the Jews are plotting to revolt. And therefore, you are building the wall. Moreover, according to these reports, you are about to become their king and even appointed prophets to make this proclamation about you in Jerusalem. There is a king in Judah. Now, this report will get back to the king. So come, let us meet together. So they're like, oh, here's a letter that we're getting ready to send to King Artaxerxes, and we're going to tell him that you're rebelling. We're going to tell him that you're doing this, right? And now they're trying to intimidate Nehemiah. They're trying to threaten Nehemiah, right? And trying to keep him from doing the work of God. And I sent him this reply. Nothing like what you're saying is happening. You're just making it up in your head. See, they had fake news before fake news, right? They're just like, that's fake news, right? That's not happening, right? They were all trying to frighten us into thinking, you know? They're frightening us, thinking their hands will get too weak for the work and it will not be completed. You know, the enemy's always, their tactic is to frighten. The enemy always wants to bring fear. The enemy always wants to bring doubt and discouragement. The enemy always wants to kind of come in and go, oh, you sure you're doing the work of God? Oh, you know, what about this? What about that? And he's like, oh, the fear, the fear, the fear. And I love Nehemiah's response. He says, but I prayed. Isn't that awesome? Right? I didn't give in to that fear. I prayed. And I prayed this. Now strengthen my hands. God, let me be even more resolute in what you've called me to do. God, let me even be more passionate one day I went to the house of Shemaiah, the son of Deleah, the son of Methabel, who was shut in at his home. And he said, let us, meet, let us meet in the house of God inside the temple and let us close the temple doors because men are coming to kill you. By night, they're coming to kill you. You guys going to a new level, right? They're coming to kill you. But I said, should a man like me run away? Don't you love Nehemiah? It's like, should a man like me run away? You want me to live in fear or do you want me to live in the courage of the Lord? I'm not running away. Or should someone like me go into the temple to save his life? I will not go. I realized that God had not sent him, but that he had prophesied against me because Tobiah and Sambalat had hired him. He had, he had been hired to intimidate me so that I would commit a sin by doing this. And then they would give me a bad name to discredit me. Remember Tobiah and Sambalat, my God, because of what they've done. Remember also the prophet Nodiah and how she and the rest of the prophets have been trying to intimidate me. And then look at verse 15. I love this. So the wall was completed on the 25th of Elul in 52 days. Isn't that amazing? What sat broken down for 70 years. In 52 days, the people rallied together and said, let's do something great for God. Watch this. And there is power in that, you guys. Verse 16, when all our enemies heard about this, all the surrounding nations were afraid and lost their self-confidence because they realized that this work had been done with the help of 
our God. All the enemies then realized, wait a minute, that wasn't those people, right? I mean, that's that down, broken down for 70 years. That had to be God. That had to be God. And all the enemies now are afraid. Wow. See, when you join in what God's doing, man, I want to tell you, you get to see God do miracles. When you join in and take a next step for the glory of God, you get to see God do what only God can do. And that's the journey that we're on together. Nehemiah and those people had their day. And guys, this is our day. How will we live it for the glory of God? Hey, if you're taking notes today, here's some things I would love for you to write down. If you've got a worship guide with you, or if you're on the Church Center app, the Rolling Hills app there, you can go in and there's a place to take notes right there online. But don't miss this today. Man, look at this. Number one, God has given you a great project. God has given you a great project. And I love that about Nehemiah. Nehemiah recognized that, right? Nehemiah, he could have kicked back right there at the palace and gone, you know what? I'm just going to hang out here. I'm just going to sit back. But he's like, no, God's got a great project. And he says this, I'm carrying on a great project. It cannot go down. Hey, let's just say this aloud together. Okay, you ready? One, two, three. I'm carrying on a great project and cannot go down. There is a lot of power, a lot of truth in that statement right there. Nehemiah and the people had a great project from God. And so do we. Guys, so do we. Right? We can't miss it. Nehemiah, man, he, could have, he was there in the palace. He could have been, okay, let's see, what am I going to do today? Is it spa day today or pedicure day? What am I going to do today? You know, right? but, but man, he's like, wait a minute. My heart's broken for what's going on over there. I need to get back to Jerusalem. It's the city of God. I need to be involved in that work. And, and, and I'm going to go. I'm going to help out. I'm going to get involved. And, and God has said, you, Christ follower today. You mean it's so easy for us to kick back, right? And just go, well, it's all about me. And God's going, no, 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 no. You were born at this time in history for a reason. You were born here for a reason. First, to know Jesus. Praise God that we were born in this time in history. But then, right, to be a part of his church, to do his work. Look, what has God called you to build? If you think about that in your life, we're all building something. What has God called you to build? Well, I'll tell you a couple of things. Number one, he's called you to build a great life for the glory of God. He's called you to build a life of character and integrity, a life that will impact generations for his glory. He's called you to have a relationship with him. We can't be good enough on our own. None of us can. But by God's grace, he sent his son who died on a cross that you and I could have eternal life, that you and I could be good in the grace of God. He's called you to build a great life. Second, he's called you to build a great marriage. If you're married, <laughs> he's called you to build a great marriage. Don't you want to be old one day and holding hands in a rocking chair? You know, like, honey, we made it. You know, like, 70 years, right? I mean, that's the kind of thing we want. We don't want the trouble and the fighting and the anger. We, we want to have a great marriage, right? If you're married, build a great marriage. He wants you to build great kids if you have kids. He wants you to raise up not just great kids, but godly adults. Young men and women who will follow Jesus, who will be passionate about him. That's what God's calling us nieces and nephews and the people God's put around us. And God's called us to build a great church. You see, look, Jerusalem is to the Jews like the church is to Christians. Jerusalem is to the Jews, right? I mean, still the most important city in the world, right? I mean, everything's going to go down there. I mean, it is where Armageddon's going to happen. Everybody's fighting over that city, important city. But that's the church for Christians. 
When you became a Christ follower, Jesus said this, right? Upon this rock, the confession of our faith, Jesus Christ is Lord. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That you and I have this opportunity to build God's church that will outlast us, that will go on and impact the next generation, impact the world for the glory of God. The local church is the hope of the world. I mean, that's the goodness and the grace of God. So stay faithful, stay faithful to God's call on your life. Stay faithful. Nehemiah stayed faithful, man. I mean, there was so much opposition. There was so much intimidation. There was so much fear, but he stayed faithful. You know, secularism today, what it wants to do is, is say, oh, your, your faith's private. It's just you. You know, don't talk about Jesus. Don't, you know, be bold about Jesus. Don't get involved. It, like, that's a lie from Satan. That's what he wants to do. He wants to intimidate us. It's like, hold on, no way. Not going to live that way. I love what it says in Colossians, Colossians chapter three. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not for human masters since you know that you'll receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. You stay faithful. Live your life for the glory of God. Look at this one, avoid distractions. Avoid distractions. <laughs> I'm carrying on a great project. It cannot come down. It cannot come down. Four times, Four times they sent me the same message, and each time I gave the same answer. I've carried on a great project. Cannot come down. Not going to get distracted. Why should the work stop while I go meet with you clowns, right? No, I'm, like, I'm not doing it, right? I'm staying involved in what God's called me to do. Nehemiah and the people avoided distractions in order to accomplish God's will. They avoided the distractions in order to accomplish God's will. I mean, the work had to go on. But for 70 years, nobody did anything about it because they got distracted. They didn't do it. God impressed it on their hearts, and yet they didn't do it. See, we live in a culture. We live in a culture where it's easy to become distracted, right? We can be easily distracted. I mean, there are so many things that come at us all the time, right? And we have to go, am I going to listen to that, or am I going to focus on what God's called me to do? I mean, all the time there's something going on, right? And so we could kick back like Nehemiah. We can sit there and go, okay, let me see. Tonight, am I going to watch Netflix? Or is it Apple TV? Or is it Disney Plus? Or is it Amazon Prime? Or wait, is there basic cable? Is that around? I mean, like, you know, what, what is it, right? Or let me see, what movie is it? And there's like, you know, you're like, man, I just spent the whole night just looking at movie, you know, trailers, you know, like, holy cow, you know? I mean, there's always a concert. There's always an event. There's always a sport. There's always something going on. And, and it's great, you know, it's fun to have fun. But after a while, if that becomes our life, we've missed it. <laughs> How many times do we uh, get our phone? You talk about easily distracted, right? We just start scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. Honey, no, I don't have time. Hold on, I'm scrolling, I'd love to talk to you or my kids, but I'm scrolling and I'm scrolling and I'm scrolling and I'm so easily distracted. And it comes at us all the time. Four times, a hundred times, 400 times a day. And the enemy knows, man, if I can just get them distracted, then they're not going to share their faith. If I get them distracted, they're not going to work on their marriage. If I get them distracted, they're not going to pour into their kids. If I get them distracted, they're not going to do the things of God because, man, they're distracted. A lot of times, the biggest thing for us is learning to say no. <laughs> because when we say no to the things of this world, we're saying yes to the things of God. <laughs> I'm doing a great work. I'm carrying on a great project. I can't come down. 
I can't get distracted. Guys, here's the importance of prayer in your life. I love where Nehemiah, he prays. And when those temptations come, right? Man, just to be able to put the phone down and go, let me just pray. <laughs> let, me just, let me step away from it for a minute and pray. God, let me focus on you. Prayer is simply focusing on God. It's simply moving away from the distraction and focus on God. And go, God, I want to pray. I want to be involved. God, I want to, I want to talk to my spouse. I want to talk to my kids. God, I want to pour into them. I want, to, I want to talk to my neighbors. I want to meet them. I want to invite some guys out for dinner. I want to have a spiritual conversation. And so, so God, I'm going to say no to some of the things of this world so I can say yes to you. <laughs> say yes to you. And I love that he prayed, now strengthen my hands. Let me do your work. Let me do what you called me to do. You know, the people back then, right? The, if you go back, there's an Old Testament prophet named Haggai. Haggai wrote to the people. He goes, guys, you're missing it. You know, Jerusalem's broken down. It's disheveled, you know? I mean, look at that, but, but you missed it. And you're distracted with your houses and your fields and all these things. And would you just come back? And Nehemiah comes and the people rally together to do something great for God. And so should we. God, strengthen my hands. <laughs> strengthen my hands. You know, Jesus talked about money more than any other subject. Sometimes you're like, oh, well, why does the church talk about money? Well, Jesus talked about money more than any other subject. So really, it's, it's him. Why? Because he knew it's the chief competitor for our hearts. And what can happen so many times is we become about, oh, I got to make more money. I got to have more success. I got to have more of this and this and this. And then at some point we go, wait a minute, is my trust in that or is my trust in him? Am I living for the things of this world or am I living for the things of God? Here's what Jesus said. Jesus said this, right? For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And if all of a sudden our treasure starts to become in the word of God, if our treasure starts to become in the relationships that God's put around us, if our treasure starts to become in the passionate things that God's put in our hearts to accomplish for his will, changes everything. And then all of a sudden I go, wait, ah, okay, it's good to catch up. I see what they're doing. That's great. That's great. You know what? I'm going to put this down and I'm going to come over here and I'm going to read what God's word says. And I'm going to pray for them. <laughs> and I'm going to lift them up and I'm going to pray for the people around me. And, and I'm going to spend some time here. And so the question becomes, are you investing in the temporary or the eternal? Are you investing in the temporary or the eternal? And it's a challenge for all of us. I mean, let's just be honest. Because we are bombarded all the time. And at some point, man, we got to take an inventory of our lives and go, man, am I investing in the temporary? Things that are here today and gone tomorrow. Am I investing in the eternal? Uh, one of the greatest uh, sermons I heard about this was from a guy named John Piper. And about 23 years ago, there was a big conference. I was a college pastor at the time. It was called One Day. Happened in Memphis in a big field. 40,000 college students were there. And John Piper stood up and he said this to 40,000 college students. He's like, guys, I was reading the other day in Reader's Digest. Now, if you don't know what Reader's Digest is, right? It was like a collection of stories, a collection of blogs that would happen. They all put it together back then. But he said, I was reading the other day and he said, my heart broke. There was a tragedy. It was Bob and Penny. Bob and Penny bought into the the dream that, hey, we want to retire early. So Bob and Penny spent their lives working really hard so that they could retire in their early 50s. And then they wanted to leave their family and friends and their church and move to a place in Florida where they could live close to the beach. And for the rest of their lives, they wanted to collect seashells. That's what they want to do with their life. And he said, I read that story and my heart broke. And I just thought, don't waste your life. <laughs> 
Don't waste your life. It's fine to go to the beach and get some seashells, but what are you going to do? Stand before God one day and go, God, here's my seashell collection? Really to the maker who made the entire oceans and the sea and everything else? You get one shot. I get one shot at life. Don't waste it. Don't waste it. Guys, this is our time. It's our opportunity. So here's what I'll say to you and to me today. Finish the work. Finish the work. The work that God's given you. Let's do it for the glory of God. Let's make a difference in our day and our time. Let's pour into the people around us. Let's realize that God put me here for a reason to know him and to make him known. Finish the work. So the wall, the wall was completed on the 25th of Elul in 52 days. Man, it's amazing when you get focused what God can do through you. It's amazing when a people of God gets focused what God can do through us. Nehemiah and the people finished the wall. I mean, seriously, think about that. 70 years, no, I did anything about it. 70 years, they're living in the mess. They're living in the rubble there until they just go, hey, guys, God's called us. You know, through those walls, right? 400 years later, Nehemiah is the last book chronologically in the Old Testament. So 400 years later, through those walls, we'll walk Jesus. <laughs> they were setting the table. Through those walls, Jesus would come. Through those walls, Jesus would teach. Through those walls, Jesus would die on a cross. Through those walls, Jesus would be resurrected. Through those walls, the early church would be born right there in Jerusalem. And God's going, I just need a group of people who are going to set the table because my son's coming. My son's coming. And I want to tell you, Jesus is coming back. Are we going to set the table? Are we going to be ready? Is God going to find us faithful? Is he going to find us faithful? Hey, may we finish the work that God's given us to do. May we not get distracted with the things of this world. May we not just pack it in and go, hey, I'm going to live over here in the palace and everybody wait on me. Now, may we be people who jump in to do what God's called us to do. So what is God calling you to next? See, the fact is this, God's not finished with you. God's not finished with any of us in this entire place today. God's not finished with you. God has a plan and a purpose for your life that's bigger than you could dream or imagine. Will you step into it? Will you trust him again? And maybe for you, that's salvation. Maybe for you, that's baptism. Maybe for you, that's working on your marriage. Maybe for you, that's asking for forgiveness for somebody. Maybe for you, that's joining the church. Maybe for you, that's prayer. Maybe for you, that's getting into God's word. Maybe for you, instead of waking up and jumping on the phone, maybe it's saying, hey, I want to dedicate my life to God and I want to dedicate this day to God and I'm going to bow a knee to him and I'm going to live my life for him for whatever days I have left on this earth. But I also want to tell you this, that God's calling us as a church to what's next. God's calling us as a church. It's been an incredible 20 years. Praise be to God. 15 people in an apartment clubhouse. And man, we celebrated at the Ryman. It was awesome. It was epic. But God said, I'm not finished with you, church. There's more people that need Jesus. There's more people that need Jesus in this city and more people need Jesus in this world. And I'm not finished. So we're talking about the next 20 years. What's God going to do next through all of us together? Because it's not an accident that you're here. We're talking about the next generation. What's God going to do through our kids? If our kids begin to live, not just for the American dream, but to live for Jesus, God could use them to literally change the world. 
What's God going to do through the next ministry? As we just realize that we've been blessed to be a blessing, to make a difference in the people around us, to take care of the poor and the broken, the forgotten. What, what could God do through the next mission? Has God called us, right, to go to Moldova and now, you know, thousands of orphans being helped and having a hope and a future in the Amazon and, and going to the deepest parts of the jungle? But where's God calling us next on mission? And then the next one. The next one. And that next one could be your child or your future child. That next one could be your grandchild. That next one could be your great-grandchild in the next 20 years. Who knows what God's going to do? But I'll tell you, here's what God's calling us to next as a church. Number one is, is this. God's calling us to build a new auditorium. It's something that we need, guys. You can just look around and go, okay, yeah, we need it, right? Here's a picture from last Sunday, right? You could take it this Sunday too. Uh, this was from a few weeks ago too. It, it's full and praise be to God. You guys are great, inviting friends and everybody's coming and it's awesome. And we have three services on Sunday morning, which is, which is great. And I know many of you serve in those services, eight o'clock at 11. So it works out to come here, but we have people in overflow. Hey, overflow. I mean, it's awesome and it's exciting, but God's like, I've given you a place right out here. I've given you land right here. And so we can go in and build a new auditorium that would double this space. They would be able to invite more people to hear about Jesus, to invite more lives to be changed. We also talk about having a flat floor so that we could continue to have events like the Justice and Mercy International Gala that we just had, and it was packed. But it helps orphans. And one night we raised over half a million dollars to take care of orphans around the world and take care of the poorest of the poor. Hope grows, right? And different events like this with the Refuge Center. You know, we have the mayor's breakfast that happens here. We have the state of the city address that happens here. We're involved in our community. The police graduation happens here. I mean, praise God. But to be able to continue to grow and expand the work right here in our community. I was talking with a guy in our church and, and I was telling him about the new auditorium. And he goes, let me just ask this. Is there going to be a pole right in the middle? <laughs> I go, you mean this pole, right? Where's Jeff? You know, like, over here, over here. I'm like, no, no pole. He's like, I'm in. I'm in. Sign me up right now. I was like, great. So I'm like, no pole. But I mean, how awesome is that? But to be a place that's built for worship. You think about this, that so we can do concerts. <laughs> you think about having the opportunity to invite people to come and have concerts and conferences, a place right here in Williamson County where people can come from all over. You know, Williamson County is supposed to double in the next 20 years. Yeah, get ready, right? I mean, people are coming. They're all from California, but here we go. And it's awesome. And we love our California friends, but man, we get to tell them about Jesus, right? And we get to grow people in the Lord and the disciple. And that's the heartbeat in the ministry. And it's not just even in worship, right? We're talking about as we build a new auditorium, we'll be able to expand even in discipleship, adult discipleship, have bigger rooms for prime time, right? 60 plus, which is growing here at Rolling Hills like crazy. Have men's studies, verses. I love verses. Man, our men's ministry, it's incredible. But have bigger space and then women's, the gathering, you know, and just the opportunities to continue to grow and expand in conferences and ministry. But you know what? It's not just adults. It's also kids, <laughs> Here's a picture from last Sunday, just kindergarten through third grade. That's just kindergarten through third grade, just at 930. That's awesome, you guys. That is incredible. I mean, you think about that. That's raising up the next generation in Christ. This is amazing to see. The kids love church. They want to be at church. They're learning about the word of God. They're growing deeper in their faith. Guys, Jesus is with them. 
I'm so proud of them. I'm so proud of you parents for, for giving them that spiritual foundation. But guys, we've got to expand, right? I mean, the great part is, is we build outside, then we'll be able to use this place in here for kids, for children, and for preschool. You know, we have a learning center, right? I mean, we have a pre-K and four days a week, and it's awesome. <laughs> and just seeing the lives that are being changed, I mean, I love it. But you know, when we think about that, it's full. It's full. There's a waiting list to get in. But we could double. We could double the space. We could have more kids hearing about Jesus, more lives changed. I love the learning center. I love the teachers who have such a heart to disciple these precious kids. Guys, this is our time. And God's already given us the land. I mean, praise God. I mean, God's given us this land next door. We would have never dreamed we'd have this land, right? But to be able to build, we just built a new parking lot. It's about full now, but we built a new parking lot and a new playground. But then to be able to build out onto the land there a new parking lot. And so then we can put the auditorium in this west parking lot right here. So it'll take some time, some phases, but new parking lot, new auditorium, and then kid space next in here. God's like, I've set the table for you. It's right here. Come on, step into it. And the incredible opportunity that we have together. And it's not just here. You know, guys, as a church, we, we've started other churches, right? We have other campuses. And so they're working in Nolansville and Columbia and Nashville and Haywood Hills. And the opportunity, guys, it's like having kids, you know? And now we have kids that are reaching people in the community for Christ. But all of us together, all of us together. You know, you're sitting in a miracle. <laughs> you're sitting in a place where people met in a movie theater and they prayed and they stretched and they gave and now we're a part of that. And now God's saying, I'm not finished. Watch what I'm calling you to next. I want you to hear from Carrie and Sarah Pierce and listen to a little bit of their story in this journey. Watch this. My name is uh, Sarah Pierce. Um, I am married to this handsome fella, Carrie Pierce. And we have been going to Rolling Hills for 11 years. We have been married for 17 years. And we have a son, Evan, who is 12 years old. Right about the time they started South Nashville, the church went through a, a series called Next Steps. And it, it wasn't just raising money. It was where is your next step at Rolling Hills? Is it serving more? Is it being a part of a new campus? Is it giving more, doing this and that? And at that time, I was like, well, we've kind of just been giving on a token basis. We were, we were young parents. We, we were as poor as you can possibly get. I just decided, okay, we've got to do something, and we tripled how much we were giving, which wasn't a lot, but it was enough to scare you. Uh, when you support the Lord's initiatives, it makes a difference. It just doesn't always make a difference the way you think it is. One of the, the biggest blessings is that uh, Evan uh, prayed to accept Christ, and Carrie was able to, to baptize him. I think making that commitment played a part in ultimately him reaching a point where he was ready to profess his faith in Christ. And then that gave me the opportunity to baptize him, which is, you know, something I still point as one of the highest points in my life. But we knew that we were giving to something bigger than, than just building a building. We were creating a foundation where our child and other people's children could grow up in Christ. We're all given different gifts. Some people's gift is to prophesy. Some people's gift is to serve. Some people's gift is to give. People who don't have the capacity to 
physically serve, but they have the capacity to serve by providing resources. And not only does that come directly from the word, but it's something that we've had many times in our life where we just weren't able to do all the things we would want to do. God's provided for us and we can give, and that can be one of the ways that we can serve. And it's just really cool when the Bible says it, and then when somebody else says it, and then something else points it out to you, it probably means God's telling you something pretty important. I love that. I just love seeing taking steps of faith and the impact on generations, the impact on children, the impact on those who come behind us watching our obedience. You know, the people of God, right? They've always had this call. Whether it was Nehemiah or the early church that met there in Jerusalem, and and then the early church started going through a hard time. And so the apostle Paul wrote, and he said, guys, let's do something big together. Here's a great project. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, The Apostle Paul writes, and now brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. He's like, look at the example of the Macedonian churches. Look, in the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord. This is where it all starts, right? For every one of us. Give yourself first of all to the Lord. God, what do you want me to do? God, what step are you calling me to take? They gave themselves first of all to the Lord and then by the will of God also to us. So we urge Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, And in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. I'm not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. He said, look at Jesus. And what Jesus has done for us you know, there's a commitment card that's in every one of the chairs. And, and I really want to ask you just to take this. And to take it, in November 12th, we're going to come back and make a commitment to the Lord. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Give yourself to the Lord first. You know, we got 14 days until November 12th. For the next 14 days, just give yourself to the Lord. Lord, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to be involved? Our goal, like Nehemiah, right? Like the early church here, 100%. Like we're all in. All of us together. God, what could you do through us today? You know, Lisa and I, we talked the other night and we've been praying about this and we've been leading up to it. And, and so Lisa prayed, I prayed, and then we, we kind of write down a number. You know, this is our kind of our sixth campaign. We've been through it, we know. But man, we get so excited every time. We're like, we're going to stretch, we're going to pray. And so then I'll write down a number, God, what do you want me to do? And, and then she'll write down a number. And then we come together and, and we just say, hey, here's what we believe, you know, God wants us to do together. And we're excited because, I mean, these are like, our kids have come to know Christ. Our kids have been baptized here. Our kids have gone through the learning center. Our kids are serving in kids' ministry now, right? In preschool, they love it. And so I wrote down my number, and then she wrote down her number, and her number was higher. And I was like, what? You know, like she had more faith. And I was like, okay, well, let's keep praying, you know, and, and we're talking about that. 
But this is an opportunity for you. Personally, or in your marriage, or even with your kids, we'll sit down with our kids and talk through and say, hey, we're making a commitment together. And I just want you to know, over these next 14 days, there's going to be challenges that are going to come your way. There's going to be opportunities for Satan to come along and our enemy to distract you and just go, oh, no, you know, yeah, yeah, come on. Don't get too radical. Don't get too serious. Like, come on. There'll be a lot of distractions that are going to come these next 14 days. But praise God. Because when God's working, the enemy's not happy. And so when those, when those distractions come, you just go, get behind me, Satan. My God is greater. I'm going to trust him. I get to be a part of something that's going to reach people for Jesus. I get to be a part of something seeing God change lives. I get to be a part of something of building a great life, a great family, a great ministry for the glory of God. Teddy Roosevelt said this. I love this from Teddy Roosevelt. It's not the critic who counts, nor the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done better. The credit belongs to the man who's actually in the arena whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs and comes up short again and again because there is no effort without error or shortcoming, but who knows the great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself for a worthy cause, who at best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least he fails while daring greatly, so that his place will never be with those cold and timid souls who neither knew victory nor defeat." Nehemiah's like, listen, I'm not coming down there to you, Sam Ballot. You, Tobiah, get behind me. God's called me to carry on a great project, and I cannot come down. God's called you, church. Let's do it for the glory of God. Let's trust him. One day, we're all going to stand before God. <laughs> and I pray every one of us hears this. Well done, <laughs> my good and faithful servant. You weren't perfect, but you were faithful. Hey, you were faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things, Jesus says. Now come and share your master's happiness. Church, it's our time. It's our time. Let's do it all for the glory of God. Let me pray over you right now. Father God, you're in this place. Father, I pray you would speak to every one of our hearts. I pray if there's somebody here today, God, that you're speaking to their heart about salvation, Jesus, come into their life. Give them the boldness. Don't let Satan get a foothold in their mind or their heart. God, I pray healing over marriages today. God, I pray healing over families today. God, I pray life today. And Father, I pray every one of us who calls ourselves a follower of Jesus, God, that this is our time, that we would be more bold today than we've ever been in our life, that we would trust you, that we would live our lives for you. So God, let me trust you again. Let me trust you again. There's so many distractions, Father, in this world, but God, let me trust you and you alone again. Meet us in this moment, God and change us forever. In the name of Jesus, we pray and we worship right now. Thank you for listening to the Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast. Be sure to share this episode with any friends and family in your life who may benefit from it. And make sure you subscribe to be notified so you never miss a sermon. If you're interested in learning more about Rolling Hills, download Church Center, our Rolling Hills app. Follow us on social media or visit our website at rollinghills.church. The Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast is a part of the Rolling Hills Podcast Network, available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Thanks for tuning in.